Okay, good morning. This is Ruth Wettstein. It is May 4th, 1043 in the morning. This is 2020. That's the year. Yeah, we are in the midst of a pandemic, which I've said before, and this podcast is actually called Northerner Stuck in the South. Um, I am in the rural South and dealing with the climate and the political culture and just the culture down here, which is different um, than the north uh, from where I'm from. I'm from Minnesota. I'm not going to say where I live, which I've said in previous podcasts. I tend to stick with lots of politics on these podcasts. I'm not a pro-Trumper at all. And, um, you know, I've talked about my feelings on him and that he is the worst president we've ever had in the history of all of my history. And um, I am looking forward to November 4th when we can get him out. He needs to go. Um, November 4th and November 3rd, I don't know, I'm going to be ready by golly to vote that cancer out of the White House. He's caused more pain and suffering than anyone we know. At least in my lifetime. I am not impressed with his leadership qualities. He doesn't have any. He has, what he has is bullying. He bullies people into their positions, and if you don't like them, doing you know, like the way they do something, or they point out that he's got faults, he fires them. I mean, he doesn't even give them a chance. And this is this is just disgusting. You know, it's he's a very he's in love with dictators, and um, he tries to emulate their qualities, and so and then you know, on top of this, he's a liar. He hates the news media because they're always, you know, pointing out all the lies. Except for Fox News. Fox News is all about... I shouldn't say this, though. Lately, they have been pointing out some of his blatant humdingers of lies. And he's just been angry and talking against them and stuff. And Now his latest thing is he's got this new press secretary. She's just... My, my, my. She's been doing some of his stuff for him while he's been out now. We had the whole of the country shut down and then little bits and pieces opened up. Now there were about four, I want to say five or six states that um, did not, uh, did not close down at all. They wouldn't do it. So, um, but anyway, the majority of the smart folks tried to close things down. New York did. Um, closed their state down quite a bit and, and they're still closed because of they have the highest number of cases of COVID-19 there. And uh, But anyway, just back to Donald Trump. No, I'm not a pro-Trumpy. Never will be. I, can't, I cannot stand him. He is the epitome of a dictator wannabe. Like I've, I mean, he just has no compassion or empathy for anyone it's just himself he's all about himself um or or the people that could benefit him which means it's about himself so like if he's you know going to help out millionaires or billionaires it's because it's for him sake anyone that he can get something from or that he can you know yeah this it is definitely all about that which I find very, you know, disturbing.
to say the least, because the majority of our country is not rich. You know, are we a, a pretty well-to-do country? I mean, I would say, yeah, we, you know, we have a fair amount, but and we're considered to be, you know, like a superpower, okay, or the number one or whatever. But you have to understand, it's the top 1%. There's very few billionaires that hold all the keys to everything, literally, and have all the monies. Well, you know, that's the Trumpies. Now, they like him because they give him everything. Now, there's a few that don't like him, uh, you know, that aren't pleased with his policies or anything, so... That dog is barking. We put up our fence yesterday. This is off the subject of politics. And I probably need to get off that politics subject because it is, I'm getting tired of it. But um, yeah, we had to put up a fence because we have a lot of stray dogs out, out around here that have been trying to get in our yard. And we have already 14 rescue dogs. So um, they are. I think that's my other dog coming. I have this dog. Her, her name is Caramel Girl, and she's, I call her the free runner. She just... Oh, no. Never mind. It's that guy. It's that person instead. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a guy that rides around the neighborhood, and behind him comes another dog. Oh, there it is. Yep, Choco Charlie coming running around the neighborhood. And my other dogs. No, Harley, you can't get out. No, you stay here. Sorry about yelling. Jeez, this is life in the South, folks. Yeah, this dog, um, Choco Charlie, we call him. It's not his name, but we call him that because it's going to be a chocolate bar. And uh, Charlie in the chocolate factory, you know, Choco Charlie. He's a nice dog. It's just that he is not fixed, and he loves to come in my yard and sniff the girls that aren't fixed. We couldn't get everybody fixed. 14 dogs and we got probably all but let's see two boys and two girls two boys and two girls are not fixed so yeah that's a total of four two boys, two girls not fixed out of 14 so we got 10 fixed and it cost us $200 a pop to do it to fix them so that's over $2,000 the, um, yeah, so, but we, we are going to eventually get them fixed. That's our hope. Um, we want to find homes for them. That would be the ultimate goal, but nobody wants them. <laughs> We've already been down this road. My husband's kind of upset about that because we do spend an exorbitant amount of money taking care of them. And, um, you know, we kind of came out here with the idea of we're going to retire and do all kinds of fun things. And then here come these dogs. We didn't realize people like to dump dogs in the woods. And so there were these two female dogs that got dumped out here. And um, me being the ex-nurse that I was, as whatever, um, excuse me, I just noticed they look skinny and they needed to be fed, so I fed them. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
one of them was pregnant, and then um, one of them ended up getting hit by a car and getting hurt. We had to take her in. We got her fixed and got her eye. She had lost one of her eyes. It was horrible. Um, but we'd been feeding her, and then they run off. And then she came wandering in the yard with her, literally with her eye hanging out of her socket. It was horrible. And this dog, sad to say, the vet told us after we took her in, you know, and he cleaned her up and fixed her and had to remove the rest of her eye. And, he, you know, he did the best he could, but he literally had to take her eye out. The one, and uh, fixed her, you know, because she, she hadn't been, um, she had no broken bones or anything. We thought, well, I have her under to do this eye surgery. He said, let's just go ahead and fix her so she can't get knocked up and have babies. And so we did that. And then we, well, anyways, long story short, she ended up jumping the fence and getting out and leaving. She wouldn't stay. We had her in a yard and she literally leaped over that fence and left. And we never saw her again. And then the neighbor guy who was all mad at me, this was later on down the road when I had rescued another dog um, there's just two of them that we had. We had brought, let's see, one, two, we had brought three dogs with us. And then, um, so that we only had three to start off with. And then these two showed up and I started helping take care of them. And then another one showed up. <laughs> well, then they got knocked up. We didn't realize that they were pregnant. So we took them to the vet and got them fixed. Um, one of them fixed. I'm, I'm not telling the story right. It's confusing. One got fixed. The other two gave birth. Excuse me. See, this is where the explosion happened. They gave birth between the two of them. They had 14 puppies. Yeah, it was very overwhelming. We tried to find homes, and the only people that wanted them, because, see, we didn't know the breed. The vet thought they were part Sharpay. Sharpay because of the loose kind of, you know, roly-poly skin in their faces when they were babies. Um... But even that he could tell by the mom, the ears and the tongue, part Sharpay and part uh, American Bulldog. And there could be a possibility that one of them was a pit bull, part pit bull. Anyways, um, so nobody wanted them for, for just having it as dogs, as pets. People that wanted them, you could tell they wanted them for other reasons. We didn't understand what, what dog fighting bait puppies or anything like that was about and um, when we discovered that this was what they were talking about uh, talked to the vet and we was we just we just locked up our fence locked it locked them up in their own little yards and, and kept them safe because we figured out what they were trying to do the people out there wanted to do with these dogs so we just kept them and uh, over the years you know we did find homes for a few. Decent people wanted them. And then um, a couple of them got out, ended up getting into trouble. We had to have them put down because they got aggressive. And so, you know, over the time periods of this, between those dogs and the ones that we already had, you know, we, we went, got, we actually got all the way up to like nearly 20 dogs. And then we back down to 19 or 14 now. So, um, yeah, it overwhelming job. We did not expect it. 
it was just like we took it in stride as it came and you know neither one of us my husband and I were not mean people you know when you see something you see a little creature in need you want to help it and we do that for everything right down to possums and armadillos and birds and you know we're we help where it's needed and if we see an injured dog or a kitty cat or something that needs help we, we help we're not we don't ignore what needs to be done um and we found out that out here where we are excuse me um there's a big problem with a pet abandonment um stray animals just you know and so we did our part to do the best we could and we this one dog we call her caramel girl she's very sweet she got dumped out here and it was kind of strange because my mother had passed away. That's been a year now, roughly. Um, she passed away. Right before she died, she sent me. My sister sent me, actually. Um, no, it wasn't right before she died. It was right after she died. It's all running together. I, I tell you what, being in quarantine and, and hanging out here and then dealing with my mom's death. It was a year ago, but even so, um, kind of gets you. But um, right after she passed away, I got this box full of my mom's clothes, which oddly enough fit me. And so I have her with me because I wear her clothes. Um, and it's just nice to have, to see things that she used to wear. And I wear them too. She's, she and I, her style and my style, even though she was in her 90s, <laughs> was are very much the similar. We tend to wear the same type of um stuff you know just simple clothes anyhow back to this other thing in the things that she sent was a collection of dogs my mother had this collection of dogs ceramic dogs and some of them were wooded so were metal little sculptures well every single one of them looked the same pretty much it was the same kind of dog all throughout well when I got this collection and I put them up in my house, you know, put them in little shadow boxes and stuff. And I was just like, that was very nice. My mom wanted me, you know, cause she had told my sister, give this to, give this to her, give this to Ruth. And, uh, anyway, what kind of dog walks in my yard one day, but the dog that looks exactly like the dogs in these, and it's a cross between a golden retriever. It looked like a golden retriever. And I was going to say a cross between a golden retriever and a chow, really, is what the, the, the cross of this dog is. But these, that's what those little um, figurines look like. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. And even my husband, he was just like, that is weird. Your mother just passed away. You get this dog collection. These are all the tiny dogs. That, and then this dog shows up and it looks just like this collection. And there's really no other dog out here that looks like that. They all, people either have pit bulls out where I live or these weird little mutts like I have. And nobody wants any more of them, which is sad. I love them. They're sweet dogs. But I'm just saying you can't find homes for them because everybody already has one. And or two or three or ten, you know, we're in the country. Um, <laughs> and then here comes this dog just out of place. She didn't look like any dog that was Roman 
in the streets ever. And she was exactly the same dog that was in those figurines that my mother sent. And I felt like my mom had sent this dog to me. My mother was a big dog person. She, she totally understood why I couldn't come see her. That basically because I was, you know, stuck with these animals, taking care of them. That yes, we could go places, but it had to be places like close by places, like going to, you know, we can go like 25, 30 miles from here. We can be gone for about four hours max, and then we need to get home because we need to keep an eye on these guys. They require care. Can't leave them in the house too long. Can't leave them, you know, in their houses, wherever they are, you know. Can't leave them. You got to check their food and water. I mean, it is an ongoing job. It's not something you just, you know, do once a day and leave. It is it is an ongoing thing. And I think that's what my husband was really hoping that we wouldn't have to deal with because he wanted to go traveling. He wanted to do things. And I just, you know, in the near future right now, I don't see that happening because, you know, short travels, you know. Um, he had a, was it last year, there was a um, family reunion. Oh, excuse me. Family reunion. It was a year before last. Yeah, family reunion. He took he took our daughter, and they went together, and I stayed behind and took care of the animals. They were gone for the weekend. I didn't mind it. You know, I didn't mind being by myself. It was kind of nice. Just hanging ten alone and doing my thing, and took care of the animals and you know it wasn't a problem for me um I'm very much of a homebody so it doesn't bother me to stay home all the time drives these two crazy they want to get out and so there's a lot of father-daughter trips you know and it's a good thing that somebody is in this family that doesn't mind staying home because really when you have animals like this you have to have you have to be there you have to have somebody nearby. You know, it's like the people across the road. They've got a little ranch over there of cows. And there's specific kinds of cows, too. They're like, they're these great big, huge white cows. They're beautiful. Actually, they're like cattle, male. Anyways, the owner of the ranch said, you know, they're pretty high-dollar animals. And they can't leave them. They don't ever go anywhere. And if they do, they have somebody from that family coming in to take over when they leave because they can't just leave their animals. You know, it's a deal. You don't just take off and leave for a month. And he said, you know, for him, cause he, I was out walking my dogs and uh, got to talking to him because he was out there mending fence. And I said, boy, those cows are really beautiful. He said, oh yeah. I said, and he said, yes, I hear that lady over there with all those dogs. And I said, yes. He goes, so how's that working out? And I said, well, time consuming. He said, I understand. He said, basically cows and dogs, you know, they require a lot of care. And he said, we have dogs too. He said, but honestly, he said, just let me ask you. He said, how many vacations have you been taking lately? And I just started to laugh. He said, see, he said, you can't go anywhere, can you? <laughs> I'm like, nope. He goes, no, we can't either. He said, unless we find someone to, that we know. And he said, it's always a family member. We have scheduled vacation times where a family member has to come stay. Um, wherever they are, they take their vacation, literally taking care of the animals. And then these people take their vacation. They finally get away. You know, it's whatever. So they'll go like for two weeks and they leave 
But he said, you know, even being gone two weeks, he said, we try very hard not to go too far away. Like, we might head to a camping place that's nearby. He said, because in there, invariably, we get a phone call. Something's happened, you know. I mean, just what was it? few months ago a couple of our cows got out and were wandering in the road and I mean it's a full-time job taking care of them and it certainly is taking care of the dogs and uh, I don't mind it though I know my daughter would love to get out and do more but with this pandemic and this shutdown there isn't getting out much you know we are considered open where we are um, our particular county and all the surrounding ones tend decided to open pretty much but um, they have the right to put it like that but many of them have made the decision to not um, there's a county that's just right next to us that they don't they feel like they're too concentrated with people they have a larger cities there and they will not open up all their businesses because they feel like it's too risky even though you know where we are, the cases are on the low end because they are. Hold on. I totally lost track of what I was saying. I had to get up and put my clothing on. My clothes on for a second. I don't sound like myself today because I'm really kind of in a lot of pain. I have lupus and it hurts. <laughs> it's my shoulders. They ache a lot. My muscles and my um, joints are in a lot of pain. But, you know, you have to just keep going. You can't sit around. And I don't take a lot of pain medicine because I can't. Um, I tend to take mostly natural stuff, natural pain medicines, arnica. I put some arnica gel on my shoulder. It's sort of working. This mm -hmm. pretty uncomfortable right now, but I can't just stop doing what I'm doing. You know, I got a sink full of dishes. I tried to do some this morning, and man, it just hurt the way I was standing there. I managed to cook breakfast to get coffee for us, and then I just couldn't do anything more after that. I'm just hurting too much. I still am. Ah, and I have to get out here and feed all these guys. Feed all the dogs and do what I need to do, and I'm just waiting for my other dog to come back. But she's kind of angry, I think, because we put this fence up that... Caramel girl, the one that I was telling you about that showed up. I was a little pissed off because we put the fence up and then let the two girls out. Well, immediately one of the girl, the one, the, the two girls that are staying in the, the other one of my buildings, safe room, I have to walk them all the time, usually on leash and get out, you know, several times a day for walks and stuff. But um, they're always on a leash, and she's full with that, right? Well, this time they're not, uh, you know, because with the fence up all across the whole property's fenced off, they could run, run without having a leash, which is something they haven't had for quite a few years now. We haven't really been able to do that. And, um, you know, so we thought it was going to work out just fine right yesterday when we let them all out and it didn't. <laughs> One of mine went after caramel girl and they got into a fight and uh, it wasn't very we had to hose them down with water thank god it was hot out why my washing machine's loud 
had to we had to hose them down with water to get them to stop and then those girls that had been out running immediately went back to the house and just that was that you know and then this morning caramel girl this is that you know we had let them do their thing and then and then and then they went up for the night right well then caramel girl this morning decided she wanted out she went out and she stayed out and she hasn't been back and normally she lays out there on the corner street corner just lays there by the stop sign it's kind of her spot when we didn't have fence she would do that and then she'd come back she'd come back and forth as she wants but see now we got all the fence the places fenced off gates are locked and we're doing that to protect not only our daughter you know she's nine she needs to be protected and um, because there's a fair amount of weirdos in the world I'd like her to be able to play outside without me having to watch every move she makes you know I mean there's been quite a few kidnappings around this area as of late our amber alert things have been going off and we have the little amber alert things on our phones that tells us when a kid's been napped you know and we go look in the neighborhood watch you know and everybody gets together and talk about it well those kids were returned and they were found to be okay they were actually with family but there are other amber alerts that happen where the kids don't get returned it's very frightening and then you look at the number of sex offenders that are in, in any given area. This is what blows my mind up. I think I mentioned this earlier. If you go to a certain website, you can find out where they all live. And creepily enough, there's quite a few around here. So, you know, I guess maybe I'm being a little bit paranoid. But, you know, I mean, I, we don't know where they are exactly. They don't say where they exactly are. They're just, we know they're in our area. Maybe, you know, even... An entire neighborhood over a few blocks are but the bottom line is they're out there and they're considered high risk some of them were um, having to do with children their fences were and so you know it's it's nerve-wracking okay and I take parenting very seriously and protection of my child very seriously so I told my hubby that was one reason too I wanted a fence up is so that I knew you know like if someone's trying to get in trust me we have 14 alarms out here. I'm talking about alarms. I'm talking about dogs barking. If someone's trying to get in or Jimmy uh, cut fences or try to get through that way or Jimmy a lot, yeah, they'll they'll alert the clan, as it were, the whole pack. All the packs will wake up and get to barking and either they'll run, this person will run off or, you know, my daughter's outside playing. She'll have plenty of time to get to the house. You know, one of the houses, we got plenty of little buildings out here but you know I'm just saying safety I feel better and you know we're we got cameras so that's a good thing too and we we just have to get our signs up now so that people understand that everything's being watched <laughs> stay away we've got we've got uh, at least the fence now you can hang the signs on there something you know no trespassing that kind of thing we talked to the the sheriff of how is the best way to do that because we want to make sure it's legal and everything and he just said you know just put just put your signs out no trespassing and you know violators will be prosecuted he said because it's your prerogative if someone trespasses past a fence 
right? You got a fence up, and and he said that right there is your that's your that's your line, right? He said so. Funny, somebody crosses the line, that's trespassing. You have every right to call the cops and tell them to take them away because they're violating that line. He said, you know, it's it's ambiguous when people don't have fences because you know. But gosh, if you have to come through a fence, like break, take wire cutters or whatever, Jimmy locks, he said that's breaking and entering. You've put up an extension to your property or, you know, your your home basically by putting a fence up. So he said, that's your prerogative. He said, just put those signs up. He said, a lot of times that's all it takes. You got the signs up. He said, if you got cameras put on there, the place is being watched. He said, they've got signs that say that too. And pretty much that usually keeps people away. He said it should work. Um, and your daughter should be safe and what have you. He said, but just make sure she checks in with you frequently. I mean, our place isn't so big that, you know, I can't. I, a lot of it's fenced in for the other dogs. So we have some usable space and stuff. But it still gives her a lot of room to run and play and do her thing. And when you're nine years old... You need alone time. You just do. It's a given. A lot of nine-year-olds, they're, these days, are approaching their teenager feelings. And I, when I say that, I mean kids are growing up so fast. And they're maturing so fast these days. Even though she's homeschooled. And she's home, you know, a lot of the time. And right now with the shelter in place and all that business, it doesn't matter. She's still... You know, she still gets online. She still watches her favorite YouTube videos. She still has, you know, her favorite cartoons. Or they're actually Nick Jr. Not Nick Jr. What is it that she likes to watch? Nick Teen. You know, Teen Nick or whatever. She she tends to like. We had all these vi- we had all these videos. We had taped off of TV with a DVR. I came in. A lot of them are kids' videos, right? We'll come in, and what is she watching? She was watching the movie The Heat with um, Sandra Bullock and Melissa McCartney. That's a pretty grown-up movie. And Melissa McCartney swears like a sailor in that, but this was done on regular TV, so they blipped out all the swear words. You know, they beeped them all out. But even so, that's pretty grown-up stuff to watch. And she was just sitting there watching it like she's watching a cartoon. I was like, wow. And there's something else she wanted to watch. She goes, oh, no, I like this. This is pretty good. You know, that, that Melissa McCartney's funny. I'm like, yes, she is funny. It's a pretty grown-up show there, though, kid. You're nine, you know. And she's like, yeah, I know. But it's really, it's really a good movie. It's a really good show. And then I have to remember, too, the kid is doing schoolwork. She's homeschooled, okay, has been from the moment she started schooling. We didn't just all of a sudden start because of the COVID. We've been doing it. And she is nine years old, but she is in fourth grade math. See, technically, she's only supposed to be in the third grade. And that's, she was born in October. And according to the cutoff line here, she would be, might still be in the second grade, which is crazy, a nine-year-old in the second grade. You know, but anyways, that's a possibility, depending on where she fell, her birth dates. And, um, but anyways, she's in fourth grade math, but in her science, world history, American history, and English, she's doing sixth 
through eighth grade work and and nailing it and understanding it. See, her reading is a mishmash between fourth and tenth grade reading. It's just we choose stuff from all those all those age groups, and she understands it. You know, a lot of it's her choice. And so the thing that's fascinating is that, or that's interesting for me, I, I don't know why I sat there and went, why aren't, you, why aren't you watching a cartoon? Well, hell, her mind is somewhere else. There are moments she loves her cartoons. I'm not going to say she doesn't. I'll come in, she's watching SpongeBob SquarePants, you know, like in that. So I've come in from doing the dogs. And she's waking up and... You know, I'm out here doing my chores, and she's still sleeping, and then and then she's waking up, getting ready, have a little snack, you know, and watching TV. She might watch SpongeBob, but I was really surprised the other day to walk in and find her watching a grown-up movie. And then there was another one. She loves Melissa McCartney. She thinks she's one of the funniest ladies on the planet. There was another one that she was watching, Identity Thief. She thought that was hilarious, you know, and she understood what was going on. But then again, here's a kid who watches the news. You know, I watch the news, and I just tell her, you don't have to sit here if you don't want to, but she goes, nah, she'll sit there. She'll be playing, like, on her tablet or whatever, but you can tell she's watching. And, like, when, when I'm watching the corona briefings, you know, and the president's up there talking, she might be sitting at the kitchen table playing on her tablet, right? She'll pop her ear earphones over to the side. Sorry, that's my washing machine buying in if you hear it in the background. It's old. <laughs> Recycle, reuse, that's what we do. Anyway, she's she'll have her headphones popped back enough to where she can hear the briefing too. And if he speaks out of turn or lies, which is all the time, but you know, a kid being able to catch his lies, that's pretty amazing. She will just pop those headphones up. Oh my God, there he goes again. You know, we know that's not true. That is not true. He can't just do whatever he wants. He's saying he has all power to do this and that. According to the Constitution, he does absolutely not have all the power. You know, this is a nine-year-old. When I realized that, then I remember, well, you know, she may want to watch stuff that's a little older. Right? You know, because her, because there are times when her thinking is way ahead. Yeah. I tell you, today is a day. I'm having kind of a hard time because of my back. I'm probably going to cut this short because I do have chores to do, and I'm and I'm very exhausted. I didn't sleep that well. We let one of our cats, that's a fixed cat. She was, she's old, and she'd been behind closed doors pretty much. But she's been wanting to get outside now that we have this fence up, and she really can't jump up. We let her out last night so she could enjoy. You know, once we got the fence tied off and everything, we let her out and uh, to run around and stuff. And she was like, I ain't going back in that house. She didn't want to go back in. So we put her food and water on the porch of that of that particular, the rescue building. And, she, and you know, it's behind the fence there. She can walk anywhere she wants on this property, and she is enjoying it. And she's staying away from the dog pens, but she's enjoying, you know, rolling around in the pine cones, the pine trees, underneath the pine trees, the pine needles. She's doing that. And she's eating grass, which cats eat grass, you know. we got tons of beautiful grass, different kinds of grass out here. She's eating grass, and she's chasing butterflies. And she's nearly 17 years old as she's out here doing this. And it's like she's found her second childhood. And 
but I couldn't sleep last night because I knew she was outside and she didn't want to go in. And so I had set up lights for her. The cats can see pretty well in the dark. You know, it's probably just me that's having the problem there. But um, I just kept getting up and stuck checking on her, just getting up and making sure she was okay. And she was. Every time I walked out there, she was fine. Finally, I feel like it was like 1.30 in the morning. I said, okay, I got to go sleep. So I went to sleep. <laughs> I get up. My husband's working on the fence. Again, just to make sure, last-minute details. And I say, whoa, how's she, how's she doing? He goes, I can't find her. And I went, oh, no. He goes, yeah, I don't know where she is. I literally don't know where she is. He said, I'm going to hope she's fine, you know. So we called for her. We, uh, you know, freaking out. He went and got in the car and drove around the neighborhood just in case she wiggled out of a hole somewhere, you know. Nowhere to be found. Finally, he's sitting on the back of, we have this van that doesn't run. It's sitting, it's actually become storage for dog food and other things. And so I put, he was sitting on the, the tailgate of the van and he goes, oh, I hope she's all right. I just don't know where she is. I just don't know where she is. He said, I, you know, she's old. He said, but she deserves to get out. She really wanted to get outside. I said, I know she did. She was tired of being indoors, you know. Even though she had the whole house to herself, pretty much. She was just sick and tired of it. And uh, he said, yeah. He said, I just, well, you know, if she did pass on, she, she at least had a couple days of fun, you know. I said, yeah. And then all of a sudden we hear this, meow, meow. We look over and she's coming out from underneath one of our barns. Kind of with this look of, you idiots, I'm fine. I'm just exploring, you know. And she passed right by us, didn't even stop for a pet or anything for us to pet her. Passed right by us, walked back over to that building up to the steps where her food and water was. Proceeded to have her breakfast and then just lounge. I mean, she just, you know, I own this place. That's kind of the attitude she had. So we, we was like, oh. And I looked at him and I said, oh my God, I'm so tired. I was up thinking about her last night and here it is like seven in the morning. Well, six or something. I don't know what time it was. We're seven in the morning. I said, I'm so crapped out tired. I just, you know... Every time I'd wake up, I'd go, oh, I hope she's okay, and then I'd fall back. So I, mean, I didn't really get to sleep good, even though I checked on her at 1 o'clock. I mean, I was still waking up every so often thinking about her and wondering if she was okay. And But she was. She was fine. I could have slept, but I didn't. So I'm, I'm really kind of tired today, so I think I'm going to cut this short. There's really not a whole lot to talk about. I mean, there's no difference in the news. Donald Trump is doing the same lies. He's got that little press secretary now that oh, I can't think of what her stinking name is Kelly something or Kelly I don't know what her name is not Kelly and Conway that's someone else I can't think of who this girl is what her name is but yeah first words out of her mouth were I think I said this yesterday when she did a press conference I will never lie to you and then she proceeds to lie a whole bunch <laughs> I just when she said that, and I knew I knew it was coming, it was going to be a whole bunch of falsehoods because that's what she does. That's what they do. They tell lies. You know, they just lie to the American people. They want you to believe their freaking lies. I don't believe them. Not when you can fact check and find it's the definite opposite. I mean, it's hard when when you get lied to one time like that. You know. Um, 
outright, outright falsehood, which the president's easy, he does it all the time. Donald Trump tells more lies than anyone I've ever seen on TV, just outward. You know, when he does that all the time like that, I just can't, I just can't give him a pass on anything. I mean, he's not credible. He's not got good character. He's a crappy leader. You know, he's always talking about this person's a third-rate politician or this person's a third-rate journalist and they're terrible, blah, blah, You know, he's the one that's terrible. He's the one that's the third-rate if he's done anything at all. He's got no leadership qualities. He has no doesn't even know how to lead the country. He, Those little kids, when I watched that video, which I thought was so funny to watch these little kids discuss Donald Trump, they said that he has temper tantrums like a five-year-old. Or like a two-year-old, I think is what one kid said. He's just horrible. They just kept saying that about him. He's just horrible. He's a grown-up. He should behave better. They they recognized his stupidness at their young age. We're talking, you know, younger than my daughter. They could see that he was just terrible, you know. And I, every one of them emphatically did not want him to be president. We're talking, I think, eight kids were interviewed after watching his words they did they let him they let him they let these kids watch his speeches and then they would um, talk about how they felt about him and this was this was done this video was done back I think in 2000 right during this, the campaign his when he was before he got sworn into office before he was voted in and these kids were not at all in any way shape or form wanting him as president they didn't like him at all in the beginning you know a couple of them like oh i like him da, 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 da. he's he's funny i like him and then they realize after watching and what he's saying and the things he says about the immigrants you know they're dogs they're not even people talking about people that way it it, it, made, it made them just sit there because some of these children were had ethnicities some of them were Mexican, and some of them were, you know, were, they were Latino descent. They had spoke with definite American accents, but they were Latino descent. They had all the cultures represented, and they were very, very, they could they could really see his racism. It was right there in their face. And then their dis, the disdain for, he has, he doesn't want immigrants, and this little boy who, Originally, it said, oh, I kind of like him. And then when he heard all these things come out of this man's mouth, and he just, oh, he doesn't want any Mexicans to come here anymore. Well, I have a good friend who lives in Mexico. That means he can't come see me. I have a cousin, too, and that means I can't come. And they were just, he was just, oh, he doesn't like my people. See? And that was hurtful. This is a president supposed to be taking care of the country and protecting the children that live here and he could hear what he was the president himself was saying about his people and it was hurtful you could see it in his eyes it was just he didn't want to hear that and so that's the thing is disturbing um i'm trying my very best not to watch too much of him because he's right now i'm just I'm sick of him I want him out. This whole COVID thing, we would never be in this place if he had just paid attention. If he had just done what he was told, shut the country down back in January. You know, they said, hey, take this seriously. He didn't. We need to prepare. He didn't. He didn't. He blew it off. And now 
because of his actions of how he blew it off. Now he's um, blaming all. Bless my water. Blaming it all on the experts. Yeah. Instead of taking responsibility for his terrible, terrible response to the coronavirus, because it was terrible. Really slow. Even though he says, oh, we were the fastest ever. We had the most in ever, than, uh, better in all the world. I mean, he just lies. Um, yeah, no, he didn't respond better than in all the world. He was worse, as far as I'm concerned. concerned. And we're suffering the consequences and so. But instead of him going, yeah, I was wrong, you know, he doesn't do that. Oh, is this doctor's fault? It was this person's fault. He did it. You know, just typical. Point the finger to somebody else can't take full responsibility for his bad behavior. I just, my washing machine really is loud. Jiminy. That thing. I'm thinking we're on the last leg. We may be having to look for another one. <laughs> another used one try to give these used ones as many life as I can. And then I'm thinking, you know, I've got several of them sitting out here that are, we let them run, we let them, we, my husband tried to fix them and we used them until they couldn't be used. We might turn them into something like a sculpture or something. Rather than just let it sit there in a landfill, that's ridiculous. We can make use out of it, do something with it. I don't know what, but we'll figure it out. My husband's really good at recycle, reuse. Re remake. I would love to get into some steampunk art. You know, you can, and a lot of steampunk artwork is done with, um, you know, just odds and ends and bits and pieces of recycled things. You know, I like to do something like that. Well, anyways, I'm going to cut this short because I'm very tired and I have some things I've got to get done. I'm still in a hell of a lot of pain and I probably don't even sound like myself because I'm so tired. It's been through a lot, but it is Monday. Tomorrow is Tuesday and my daughter and I, we do have school tomorrow. We do Tuesdays and Wednesdays. We take our subjects and we split them up between two days. She doesn't really need more schooling than that. I promise you. She's so far ahead of so many other people. So many of the grades. I mean, she's Kids her age, I mean, is what I'm trying to say. She's way ahead. And I don't believe in push, 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 push. You know, and this was just, she rose ahead by us moving, not at a fast pace, but at a pace that was comfortable to her and, um, which, believe it or not, was slow. I mean, in my opinion, we don't go through tons of work, but the work that, when she was, I had gotten some other books that were more of her age group and I could clearly see it was so boring to her because it was so beneath her. You know, she'd already, she knew all those things. So that's when I decided, I just kept going up and up and up in the age group till finally I met the plateau in the sciences and the histories and English. I met the plateau where she was like, ah, this is a little harsh, tiny bit, but not bad. I said, okay, then this is what we're going to study. Because you see, if you already know everything else, why are we going to keep going over and over and again, right? Let's go to things that you don't know. Let's let's experience things that you don't know so that you actually listen and something to look forward to. So that's what we're doing. And it's working. 
it's perfect, you know. That's how that's how we do it. I, I study a tester to see where she's gonna fall. And in the math she you know, third grade math was boring. Even this math is a little bit boring for her, but it's we're struggling a wee bit with fractions and some algebra, so this is a good fit. And we're not gonna get it all done this year, and that's okay because her age group for all those things, you know, she can go in the other subjects, literally two or three years longer in the same subjects, same books. So we don't have to move 90 miles an hour here. This can be done in a nice, even pace where we can even out her her desires to do her, her um, you know, extracurricular things that she likes to do. She loves to um, experience things like architecture and chefs looking things like that different types of art she's right now she just got a nice <laughs> very nice camera we're talking like telephoto lens the whole nine yards yeah got that for um easter and She's out photographing everything. We're supposed to be seeing some meteor showers these next few days. Haley's Comet coming through. And so we're going to, hopefully, she'll get some good footage of that. So there's a lot of other things that she does on the side besides her routine lessons. And I don't see any reason to push things to the point that she's just, oh, this is terribly boring, you know. And we're coming up on summer. Her oldest sister, who's in college, this is her last week of school, um, and her niece and nephew, which is my daughter's kids, my eldest daughter's kids, um, they are out of school, and they have like little packets that the school has been sending them, but they're going to be done with those this week. So I'm looking at maybe one more week of some stuff, maybe this week. Maybe this will be her last week of school. I don't know. You know, I'm not sure. I don't anticipate pushing summer school. She is so far ahead. There's no reason to do that. Next year we pick it up. We may work a little bit harder next year than we did this year. Um, but one thing I do know is if you push too hard, it backfires. If you don't push hard enough, it truly backfires. So you've got this fine line. But the important thing is to just not be so incredibly... You can't exasperate them into learning. You can't. You you have to usher them into it where it's exciting and interesting. And if you don't offer those opportunities of exciting and interesting and different, then they are, you're not going to hold their attention. And so you have to kind of like see where they come. And parents are good at knowing where their kids are and their thinking, you know. Parents are good at knowing those things. I, I really do believe a lot of parents are great teachers. I think the homeschooling thing works out just fine. I, I'm a college grad in the sciences, you know. I graduated, excuse me, I'm so tired. Graduated at the top of my class I had was magna cum laude in, in, um, in college, in nursing school. And, you know, I did very well in my sciences and maths and everything. And even in English and in my history. So I, you know, I'm not saying I'm totally hundred percent qualified to be a teacher, but right now every parent across the nation is teaching their kids. They have to, because school's out, you know, it is not in session. So 
if they're homeschooling their kids. And a lot of I'm, I was watching this funny little video. Drew Barrymore was literally in tears about homeschooling her kids. She said it was the hardest thing she'd ever done, you know. And she totally didn't give her teachers of her children enough credit because this was just something else, you know. So, you know, it's it's hard. I don't like to make it hard. I like to make it fun. I like to make it a conversation some days. We just sit around and talk. I like to make it be a fact-finding mission where we're looking things up and stuff like that. So, you know, I just believe um, school shouldn't be a drudgery. You shouldn't. I hope, you know, when I mention the word, hey, it's time to get up and get ready for school. Let's get our breakfast done out of the way. Let's do this. Let's do this. You know, she sometimes oh, does this nonsense. And if it's like to that point too much on certain days, I'll say, you know what? Your mind's not there. Neither is mine. Let's take a day. Let's take a day and just, just be. We'll pick this up tomorrow. And inevitably that one extra day of rest, you know, she's right and ready the next day. So anyways, well, listen, I'm going to give this. And this podcast, I'm so tired. It's a very, very, huh. It's, you know, it's a very disappointing podcast because I am so tired. And I'm having problems with my lupus. So I will talk at you guys later. It was very interesting, uh, interesting time we're living in, in this pandemic. Never thought we'd be in this situation. And another reason why I feel disjointed, I know there's a lot of other people out there that do. You feel like you kind of lost it because it's, it's almost surreal. It's like, are we really in this? I mean, do we really, you know, when did we ever think that we'd have to, when we went to the grocery store, we'd be wearing masks to breathe, you know, to be sure that we don't get sick. I mean, that's stuff of movies, right? That's things of apocalyptic movies. Never thought we'd actually live it, but we are. And I think that's one of the reasons why there are some days when I wake up, things are just they're just not, they're just not normal. They just feel off. And that's kind of what I'm feeling right now. So, and of course, lack of sleep. We try to keep ourselves busy and doing things. And sometimes we get tired and I got tired yesterday. Um, you know, running around watching animals being out by themselves for the first time, you know, instead of on leashes and this and that. And it just, it got tiring and I didn't realize Allowing freedom could be tiring, right? Because you're worried that they're going to make a bad choice. And sure enough, this morning, one of our dogs decided to jump the fence. <laughs> bad choice. So we had to go get her and bring her back in. And we watched her. We walked around and watched her to see where it was that happened. And then she wouldn't show us. So, okay, you got to go back inside for a while at least. You know, next time she goes out, we're going to have to keep an eye. No letting her run all over this place without... 100% supervision until we figure out where it is that she did this. You know, did she jump the fence? Did she wiggle out of it? Because we were looking for, if she went underneath the fence, there should be drags for her tummy, you know, belly dragging under the, the fence. No, that didn't happen. So um, it's either she jumped the fence. We actually didn't see it happen. Jumped the fence or did she go, is there a little spot that, a corner that has actually a little bit of a gap, you know. And that could have been the case. So, anyways, but anyway, let's look at the hour. This is a Northerner stuck in the South, and I'm Ruth Whitstein.
Thank you. Good morning. This is Ruth Wittstein. You're listening to Northern or Stuck in the South. It is Cinco de Mayo or May 5th, 2020. We are in the midst of a pandemic still. Um, things are still pretty much closed down. Um, I think all over, I mean, slowly opening up. Our area in the south is, is more open, I think, than most. We're rural. I'm rural um, in the country. So that a lot of our um, businesses, you know, um, I, I think just in relation, in relation to a lot of our people out here, um, still labor under the thoughts that this is not real. Some of them. <clears throat> it's interesting. I did a lot of perusions in the, um, looking over the, a lot of the different news posts, news stories, um, watched a lot of videos. The one group I like to watch is Young Turks. That's interesting. So, um, they're truth, truth oriented. They show a lot of footage so that you can make that decision for yourself. They do discussing things, but you get to see for yourself. Anyways, they were out. Um, this little news group was out asking, questioning the um, Trump supporters on the, the coronavirus. Excuse me. Specifically the ones that were protesting against lockdown like in Michigan and places like that, they were asking, you know, what their views were. And so many of them, they're just so incredibly lost. They're really out of touch with reality. They're in this conspiracy fog of, you know, it's created virus meant to take down, you know, it, it it's, it's a, it's a hoax meant to take down the president. It's yeah. Maybe it's a, it's nothing more than a cold. It's no big deal. You know, just, the idea, the ideas that were perpetrated in the beginning by the president. Because he did make it sound like it was nothing. And here we are, over a million cases later and over $60,000. $60,000? Oh my gosh, I'm tired. A million cases and over 60,000 people dead. Um, and this is, in my opinion, at the hands of poor management of the president. He didn't manage it well at all. He's a complete mess. And it's sad, you know, that his supporters are so deluded. They, they just live in this fantasy land, believing that he's got their back and that he's the greatest ever. And he doesn't care about them. He doesn't care about anybody. I mean, it's all you have to do is watch his, watch the, the, the um the briefings and <clears throat> even watch his rallies of how he badmouths so many you know good people um this continuing focus on Barack Obama wanting to blame him for stuff one of the things that he came out and blamed him for which is totally false you know Barack had nothing to do with this was that um Apparently, he, he said Barack Obama left him with broken testing. And the reasons we have not good testing is that Barack Obama left him with 
not enough supplies for the testing. Okay, <clears throat> let me help you understand something here. This virus is novel, meaning it's new, and it just occurred this year. Well, last year in 2019. So, interesting. <laughs> Trump has been in office since 2016. Okay. Well, he was elected in 2016. He went into office in 2017. He's been in office for nearly three years. Well, over three years. So here's the thing. Over three years, he's been in office. And he is blaming Barack Obama for things that happened in his, in his very own administration right now. This is the problem with this president. He can never take blame. He can never say, oh, yeah, it's my fault. He will always blame other people. And he will even blame previous presidents for his shortcomings that he just is now showing. It's unreal. It's just unreal. And But what's really unreal is his supporters, which a lot of them, as I've seen out here, are really... They're extremely ignorant, many of them, <clears throat> educationally speaking. Um, they don't really keep track of things for themselves. They just listen to the crap that he regurgitates out of his mouth and go, that's the truth. And the reason they follow him is because he's a bigot. And there's a lot of, especially here where I live, bigotry. And it's because of the climate. It's because of the demographics it's because you know it's because of the economic status it's because of the the um believe it or not the races the, the the different dispersal of the races where i am particular i didn't realize a lot of caucasian bigots out here okay just gonna say it like that and if they're <clears throat> when you listen to them talk it's like they're ignorantly don't even real they just say these things as if it, this is the cradle bigot I'm going to call it like that. you got your cradle Catholics. They joke about cradle Catholics. What is cradle anything? There's a cradle, you know, Catholic, cradle bigot, cradle Lutheran, cradle, you know, everything can be considered in that realm where people are born into it and they are raised in that environment of stupidity or ignorance really is what it is, pure ignorance. Just this whole idea that, you know, it's like listening yesterday was quite interesting to a, to a young man who who spoke to a reporter her anchor lady she was asking him questions he was a former trump supporter he was a staunch trump supporter and then this coronavirus hit and everything just blew up in his face and he actually had some acquaintances, excuse me, distract and deflect. My dog is over here chewing away on his tail again. I'm like, what is that snorting noise as he's over there just working on his tail? I have to stop him. Buddy, I'm going to have to put that cone of shame on you, hon. You know, the vet told me I'm just going to have to do it, and I don't want, he knows, he knows how much I hate to, to restrict your guys' movements in any way. I don't like to leash you people. I like you to run free. I'm all about that, right? But if you don't stop chewing, we're going to have to do something. And you got, I don't know how much of that medicine. And 
He's got ointments and medicines and everything for his situational, his skin disorders and stuff. And he just, it's habitual chewing. You will run into a dog every once in a while. Rescue dogs in particular that have been through some really rough times before you ever get them. And I think this dog has. And we've had him for quite a few years. We've been battling this off and on. And uh, I think he's almost got like post-traumatic stress from when he was a puppy. We don't even know what he went through as a as a as a young dog. I do know that he was found. You know, I've told the story about him. He was found, and uh, under this cop's um, cabin, and he took care of him for a little while. But then he had to go back to the city, so he brought him to us, and he discovered that there were some people down the road who had just lost their father, I guess, and or is it grandfather and um, they'd been coming out there regularly, then all of a sudden they stopped coming out. and looked like they were bringing dog food, but then all of a sudden they stopped, and then that's right when they stopped was when this dog suddenly shows up at this cop's house, see. So he was theorizing that this dog was theirs, or the old man's. And it just left, you know, the old man died and and left, see. So, I mean, you can only imagine... He's a very sweet dog. He doesn't act like he's ever been hit or anything. That's my coffee. Hit or anything like that. So there's not that. The trauma I think he experienced was being left alone. Abandoned. And he had a collar around his neck, we think, because he had a mark. Was he tied up? Did they tie him up and leave him there and just feed him? And You know, I mean, what did they do? Don't really know. Just know that he's having issues. But... We've got him on some calming medicines and different things and ointments for his skin. And we've been arguing this little thing for quite some time now. And, you know, we just, he's got a good life here. He gets to roam free. He gets to sleep on whichever porch he ever wants to sleep on. He won't come in your house. He's so funny. He does not want to do the in, in the house thing. And trust me, we've tried to get him in and he will bark and carry on to get out. He doesn't even like dog houses. He prefers to sleep under a house or on a porch. And so in the wintertime, you know, it can get kind of chilly. He's got a nice dog, but as long as it's open, see where he can get out of it, where he doesn't feel like he's shut in. I think that's, he's terrified of just being, maybe, I mean, that's got to do something with what happened to him, I think. As long as he is free to get up and leave, that's as important to him, you know. He doesn't want to be a prisoner. So um, in the winter you know, in a very open porch. We, we spend a lot of money in the winter on heat because we uh, plug in a heater. He gets his very own heater blowing right on him. Very own heater blowing right on him. And in the summertime when it's warm, because we're in the south, you know, he um, he likes to dig holes in the dirt and lay in that cool dirt. Um and I'll have a fan right up here on the porch. He just will not go in. Like, you know, I tried to get him in the air-conditioned cabin. Uh-uh. My, my office building. So he could be in there with the kitty cats. Because he likes kitty cats. We have some kitty cats in there. He won't even darken that doorstep. He just, nope. So, he's a, he's a boy of, he's a, he's a pup of routine. He's got his way. And, of course, whatever happened to him before... Definitely has something to do with the way he's behaving, is what the vet said. And we'll never know, because that poor cop didn't even know.
he he just realized what had happened, you know, there, but he never got to speak to those people because as soon as, I mean, the house was sold, that's how they just quit coming. And then here comes this dog. And I think they were bringing things out there and then they just left them. They, they took the house was sold then. And, um, the, the family didn't come out there anymore. So basically what they did is they just, you know, abandoned this poor dog all by himself. He had no place to go. I mean, his owner was gone and just sad. I, we have a lot of stories like that out here. And a lot of the creatures that I take care of that come my way are usually, they're discarded. <laughs> you know, people just didn't want them anymore. They just dump them and it's just tragic. And I can't, you know, I do the best I can. I do what I can for them. I give them what they want. Some of them want a yard and they almost want that enclosed thing because they feel safe. And then some of them, they need that freedom of open. We They've all got good yards, but some have different houses than others because of their temperament. You know, like Buddy needs to have total freedom. I could not put him in a yard with a dog house. He'd be miserable. See, he needs to be porch. He's got like, what's he? One, two, three. Four. He's got five porches. Five front porches he can go lay on. <laughs> One that has the heat and the and the, the, the cooling though. And that's the, the cabin. That's the one that he can get on and, and go to. But the other ones are just, you know, regular old porches like the porch of the barn, the porch of the uh, the A frame and the excuse me. The playhouse. My daughter has a nice playhouse. Which is her like little girl cave where she goes and plays. There's that. She's got a porch on that. Sometimes he'll hang out there or he'll be on the porch right out in front of our trailer or he's, you know, over here. Or he'll be, you know, laying in a little place that we call Fairyland, which is just this beautiful, you know, trees and moss and stuff like that. He'll lay out there in that, you know, wherever he can be comfortable. He needs freedom though. And I'm so happy that we've, he used to walk up and down the street and he's getting so old now that, I mean, it's, I'm really happy that we have the whole front, you know, uh, fenced off now. We did that yesterday, well, the day before yesterday, we put the fence up and got it completely done and our whole front areas and the whole place is fenced in. So really in order for a dog to go out, you know, they need to go to the gate and bark and say, Hey, can I go out? They just can't walk out there in the street anymore, which is good because I have a little um, Chihuahua miniature greyhound mix. He's a Russian miniature greyhound Chihuahua mix, and he he would he's little, and he would run up and down the street and just literally cause mayhem. It was just. Uh, yeah, that's the word I'm going to use, mayhem. He he wouldn't stop getting into arguments with neighbor dogs and what have you. And so, and people were complaining, and rightfully so, uh, you know, it's okay for their dogs to come in our yard, but, you know, our dog can't bark. <laughs> but our dog is, he can be kind of annoying. There he is, the annoying one. Hello, Harley. Yeah, he's orange and black. Um, we rescued him from a kill shelter before we moved here, and he is 
I named him Harley because he's orange and black. Beautiful dog. Um, but he's a stinker, and he thinks he's bigger than he is. And so um, what happens is, is he gets out there and gets into trouble. But now he's in, and he can't go anywhere. And he's starting to get used to that. We've got the whole acre to run, though, for crying out loud. Tons of rooms. No need, no need whatsoever for him to be upset about it. But he's... He's learning. He's realizing he's not going to get to start arguments with neighborhood dogs anymore. And it's quieter now here. I've noticed that. So, well, back to what I was saying um, about the whole... What was I talking about? Um, the supporters of Trump and all the lies... And just the nonsense and the crap and the this and the that. You know, he he's so hateful and terrible. And he's so, he can't tell the truth. And he is hurting us at the expense of his desires to be the big man, you know. And... His, you know, he has to blame, like I said, pre blames Obama for everything. And you listen to these people. Yeah, he is. I mean, you know, 9-11 for crying out loud. Obama, you know, we just want to know what he had to do. What, Where was he when that was going down? I mean, he wasn't even in the He was out playing golf, we think. He should have been taking care of it. Okay, 9-11 happened away before, before Obama was in office. That was the Bush administration. No, 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 no. Obama, he, it's all his fault. See, they hear Trump say that so many times. It's all Obama's fault. It's all Obama's fault. It's all Obama's fault. And I had no idea that Trump had been trolling. I wasn't paying attention. Trump would troll um, everything Obama did on Twitter before he was ever elected. And before Trump was elected into office, he trolled the hell out of Obama. Picking and picking and picking. I had no idea. You know, I wasn't paying attention. I was so comfortable and happy with President Obama that I didn't feel the need to watch every stinking thing, to worry about the lies. I did, you know, I in the beginning I did, and then I realized, my God, this man is actually a truth teller and he has got an education and he handles himself. I mean, I'd watch all the usual things. Maybe there wasn't anything to really watch every second because we didn't have so, so many scandals going on. You know, Obama wasn't being investigated for all kinds of shitty behavior, <laughs> you know, like Trump is being investigated for everything under the sun. And then of course now this terrible handing up of the coronavirus. I mean, he's just terrible. We've lost more people in this terribleness than we ever did in, in uh, Vietnam. So it's, there's no other president that's screwed up this bad. Not in my opinion. So that's really what that boils down to. And it's a tragedy. But you know, it's, it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this and we're going to vote him out in November. That's my hope. I don't think I can do another four years. I think if, sorry, my nose is itching. If I had to go another four years of him, uh, you know, I am going to have to seriously 
go back to up my therapy sessions. You know, I already have therapy to deal with just life, online therapy, but I'm going to have to go to the office, I guess, or find a better therapist or something. I'm going to have to be dealing with some stress because just the mere thought of him being in office right now through all of this is frightening enough because he can't do anything right. He really can't. I mean, he just fired the girl that um, reported about that she discovered or was reported about the stockpile being seriously messed, you know, low. And it was definitely during the Trump administration that this stockpile should have been replenished. And uh, it wasn't. I guess Obama started to, or he didn't get it completely done, but he, you know, there is a point where you hand things off and another person takes over and, you know, Trump got into office and he could have done that. He had people that could have taken care of all those things and continued on with the pandemic response team, but he dismantled the whole business when he got into office because he didn't like anything Obama did. So anyway, this girl, and we're back to chewing again, buddy. Please, can you stop chewing yourself? Thank you. You're making my podcast sound terrible. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyways. Um, oh, gosh. I can't stop yawning. <sighs> um, he went ahead and... He went ahead and, and dismantled the whole team and just... You know, and I guess there was a team over in China, too that had our people on it to help watch for viruses and potential pandemics. And he got rid of all those people. So here's like systematically undoing all of our safety guards right down to, you know, environmental protections and everything. He just kept undoing everything. And in all that undoing, here comes the coronavirus and he doesn't know what to do about it. Oh, I'll just blame everybody else. Let's, let's blame Obama. He did it. No, no, that was you. You know, and now Pelosi, very, very good that she's going to do this. And, and, and the Congress, um, the Democratic, um, pretty much Democratic-run Congress, they want to investigate his response. They want to investigate everything having to do with this particular, and they need to. And he's angry, and he, Trump is angry because he feels like he's being targeted. Well, yeah, because you fucked up. It's just all there is to it. You screwed up. You didn't respond properly. So now we're going to have to investigate you. That's just all there is to it. You know, they would investigate. They would have. They would have investigated his um, uh, Obama. They invested, remember when Hillary and the Benghazi business and the poor people died and everything like that, that how many emails and this and that, I mean, they, they investigated her repeatedly over and over and over and over trying to find something the GOP did and they couldn't find squat and they just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. They're still trying to push that nonsense, that conspiracy BS. Okay. We have over 60,000 people dead. We have over a million cases in the United States. We have all these people being fired from positions that are pivotal to help with this pandemic situation. This girl that um, reported that the stockpile was inadequate and they needed ventil more ventilators and this. But anyway, he fired her just, I think it was yesterday or today. I mean, he can't 
admit he screwed up. And when anybody ever points out stuff that, oh my gosh, that makes me look bad, you're fired. I'm. Well, this isn't an episode of The Apprentice. This is the way he's treating the country like it's an episode of The Apprentice. That was a stupid show anyway. I tried to watch it a few times. It was a dumb show. He, he was a bully. He was horrible. And I can't believe people ever looked at that and went, oh yeah, that makes a good president. He's a <laughs> oh my god he's always talking about how buddy hey leave it alone buddy come on quit chewing your foot sorry if you hear me interrupt this podcast to stop my sweet man from chewing or I'm going to put that cone of shame on you. I don't want to do that. I don't want to put that cone thing. Do you want to walk around looking like you? No, we don't want to do that. That's like a doggy dunce cap. I don't want to do that. Let's be good, okay? Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Go chew on a pine cone. My heavens, we got so many pine cones out here. And sticks and fun things to chew on. Do that. Leave your body alone, okay? Self-harm is never a good thing. No, it's not. I love you. Yes, I do. I love you so much. <laughs> Anyhow, um, what was I going to say? No, he just he just gets rid of everybody that just that ever tells the truth about him. If the truth is a truth that is uncomfortable, you know, like him making phone calls, uh, you know, asking the Ukrainian government to uncover dirt on Biden, you know, just so he could win this election now. He's meddling in his own election. I mean, just so he can do that kind of stuff, that kind of, you know, in involving other countries to do that kind of stuff. And now he's all these, um, I won't stop doing this. Come on, buddy, please. Buddy, buddy, buddy. I'm going to get that out. I got it in the closet over here. I don't want to put it on you. Please stop. Anyways, um, you know, all these things are just un uncomely. They're just, they're just not good for, they just make him look bad. And he keeps doing it. more he keeps doing it, well, hopefully we won't have to, I'm fixing to get that cone. He just doesn't want to stop. Anyways, um, but yeah, we, we the, Nancy Pelosi's pushing for an investigation and he is so upset right now. Trump is so upset because she's trying to, so she's trying to get all the health experts to come forward and testify. I mean, actually, whole of Congress is. They're subpoenaing Anthony Fauci, and I, I'm sure they're going to subpoena Burks. Um, but the White House, or excuse me, Donald Trump, is uh, preventing all of these people from, once again, he's obstructing justice. He's preventing them from testifying. He doesn't want them to tell the truth. It's just exactly what Nancy said. She says that he says, and of course he says this too, oh, this is a witch hunt. They're after me for this again. And, you know, these guys need to be working on their, on the, uh, the pandemic business and, you know, taking time to testify. That's ridiculous. Okay. She made a good point today. She said, working on the pandemic, you mean your briefings, your two and a half hour nonsensical ramblings over stupid shit. I mean, she didn't say those, those words, nonsensical. I say, I'm saying nonsensical ramblings of things that, you know, a few, a very tiny amount of facts and a whole bunch of 
propaganda crap starts coming out of his mouth and just BS. And, you know, it. you can't watch those things without just going, oh my God, will you just get to the point? You get tired of all the blah, 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 you know. At least I do. It's wearing me down. And I feel like it's time, you know, here we are, May. We got June, July, August, September, October. We got five months. May, June, July, August, September, October. Six months and some change. Six months, baby, less than six months. Roughly-ish. Nearly seven months. I don't know. Six to seven months. Before we vote. You know? And good campaigning is going to have to be important for the Democrats to win this election. My husband, bless his heart, he was sitting there. He said, I don't know. He said how the Democrats were the last time in the last election. They didn't get out and vote. And he's right. They didn't. Not enough of them. And they just sat there. They, they When they realized that um, Bernie was running, either they didn't vote. They voted for Bernie, which I love Bernie, but there wasn't enough people. See? And a vote for Bernie was literally a vote for Trump. And that's what's tragic. I think Bernie recognized that towards the end of this. Well, not the end, but now he's endorsed Biden. Gotta, gotta come to a conclusion. And gotta have a plan and you know i guess biden's our plan he isn't my first choice he is not i you know who my first choice is is definitely bernie and then i would have loved to see michelle obama run for vice that would be fabulous if if that person if michelle obama could be our vice president oh my god now biden's been asking her apparently saying would you please and if she comes out and says she's running. I guarantee you. I bet you anything. Oh, here he goes again. Buddy, please quit chewing. Oh. Okay, I'm back. 30 minutes into this. I've stopped this. I don't know how many times due to my sweet little doggy. My husband finally came and and rescued me. Took him and uh, got him off the porch for a bit. Trying to get him to go do some things by the mess with him. Play with him a little bit. Sometimes you just have to distract this dog from what he's doing. So, anyway. But anyway, um, yeah, now if, if, if Michelle Obama ran with Biden, I think we would have a landslide win. I think everybody get out of there. They just go and vote, you know. The Democrats are truly irritated. A lot of millennials are extremely irritated, obviously. And you've got some Trump supporters that have changed. There was a boy. I was starting to talk about this before I had to get up and leave. There was a boy that, um, or a young man, I'll say. I'm 54. He was a boy to me. Uh, go away, Harley. Sorry about that. Then I had my other dog wanting to come up here and get into things, chew things. They all like to, I love him, but he's, <laughs> that sounded rude. Go away, Harley. I wasn't trying to be mean. I was just trying to get him to go play. We're all kind of underfoot with each other. Anyways, what was I trying to say? That boy, young man that was interviewed, he was a former Trump supporter and he, he switched gears 
and he no longer is because he saw how poorly the president was doing and he actually saw the truth. He stopped watching the one news that was just spewing propaganda and lies and he, and he started listening to some of his friends and showed him the fact-checking, like literally real-time fact-checking these things so he could see where the lies were. And he just said, he goes, you know, once I realized how many times the president was lying to everyone, I realized this is, you know, um, that, that he's he's not being honest with us. And, and the, do I really want this as my president? You know, the leader of this country is sending us you know, down the road, so to speak, he's literally throwing us to the wolves. He is not here for us. And he said a lot of it is, um, is almost like a brainwashing when you're a Trump supporter because the people, they all, they all just keep reiterating all of these, um, conspiracy things, you know, and so he said it's just a mindset, and a lot of it's ignorance. A lot of it comes from generation, you know, generation after generation. He said a lot of that thinking, too, comes from um, before Trump ever came into being. And Trump just kind of, like, expounded on it. He just, he made it be more, yes, this is the truth, which you've been told all these years, you know. Every Democrat's coming for your guns, you know. That's, that's the biggest thing right now. The Democrats are coming for your guns. No, we just want you to be responsible. You shouldn't be storming the capital of any, you know, state with a gun. <laughs> you know, with a machine gun, basically. I mean, that's what these people were carrying. It, they just looked like they were carrying assault rifles with massive rounds. And they were they were walking to the capital. And they came into all these state capitals. I thought, I, I don't understand how that is still even considered legal. And it's encouraging behavior that is just, you know... No one's oppressing anyone by keeping them safe in that respect. And no one's oppressing anyone really by telling them to follow some guidelines of wearing a mask to protect others. You know, you have to drive. In order to drive a car, you have to get a driver's license. What are you going to start saying now that the fact that you have to get a driver's license and take a test or whatever, you know, and are you going to say this is a form of oppression now? I mean, good Lord, there are some things that we have to do in our lives in order to go to the next step, right? So to stand here and bitch and moan about this oppression business, you know, like yesterday a man was shot, a security guard was shot in uh, a family dollar store. I can't remember where it was. I think it was in Michigan or Wisconsin. I don't know. He was a father of eight children. He was a security guard at a family dollar, and their, rut their routine there was that you needed to put a mask on to come in the store. And he told this <coughs> woman that she was coming in the store to put a mask on, and she spit in his face, stormed out, and came back with her father, and they shot this man in the head and then fled the scene. They literally killed him over telling them they needed to comply with the rules and wear a mask. You see what our president is, is inciting? I believe he's incited this behavior in people. He's incited this thought to rebel against common sense and decency. For You know, because I, I don't know what his 
I think his aim is just to create chaos. <laughs> Honestly, I don't even know why he's president. I don't even know why he ran for president other than I think he's a power-hungry individual. And um, I think he enjoys watching people squirm. I think he enjoys the chaos that he can make people do. I think he enjoyed, he almost laughed. It seemed like it in his eyes when he found out that people were dying by trying the, the disinfectants and hydrochloroquine and all that nonsense that we were actually dying. And uh, he actually showed, it almost looked like he had pleasure in his eyes from that. That's pretty sick. What kind of president is this? Who is he? And why in the hell is he? It's just a game for him, I guess. Just something to do. I don't think he really cares about the position. I think it's something for him to do. Fill his board a moment. <clears throat> he was born rich. He was, you know, literally given an allowance of 200K a year. And, um, or more than that, I think. He was given all this money as a child and He's never understood what it was to suffer or struggle. He thinks he's a victim now, which is a joke, because he's not a victim. He's victimizing us. He's the victimizer. He's the one. He's the abuser. But he's not a victim. Nobody's treating him badly. They're treating him according to how he's doing. But, you know, this is this is how it is because, um, you know, but he, you have to ask yourself, a man who has been raised the way he was and all of these things, literally having no real decent ideals. He's a hedonistic person, power hungry. You know, you saw, if you ever watched him on The Apprentice, he was extremely power hungry, all of this. You have to ask yourself what is his motive for being president? It's not because he cares about the people. Because he never cares about anybody but himself. And that's been evident in everything he's ever done. He doesn't show kindness. He, If he's ever nice or does anything nice, it's because he's expecting something for himself in return. God knows what twisted thing that is. And that's my vision. Mm. That's my... Excuse me, that's my observation. My observation of watching him. He treats women terribly. He, he said as of late, um, he doesn't like the new female reporters. He doesn't want like how angry they are or how forward they are. He wishes that they were more like the women of the 50s. Reserved and demure. Oh, screw you, buddy. This is the year 2020. Okay, <laughs> women nowadays are fighter pilots and poach, uh, they, they kill illegal poachers in the rainforest better than a man could, all while they're carrying their baby on their hip. Don't even, don't even go there about this 1950s bass backwards, <laughs> ass backwards idea of what a woman should be. Uh-uh. I'm a bit of a feminist. That was very offensive to me. Because I just, 
you know, do I, do I get angry when a man opens the door for me? No, it's called a human being, being kind to someone else. I'll open a door for a man. It's called being nice. You know, I'll let men go ahead of me when I see in the grocery store. If I see a, a person, I don't care how old you are with one or two things in your hand and, and you're in the line waiting to go, I will send them ahead and say, go ahead, go get your groceries, go take care of them, go, go pay for them. Look at my cart, it's full of stuff, and you'll have to stand there forever. I don't care who you are, man, woman, child, I don't care. I'll do that for anyone, you know. It's not me trying to be, um, you know, overly a martyr or show off. And It's not that, it's just I care that people get every, I care that everybody gets a chance. But, you know, I get, yeah, Trump wants to turn the back time back where women are barefoot and pregnant and, you know, answer to their husband's every fucking whim. Ain't going to happen in this house, I can tell you that. We're equals in this place <laughs> where I live. Even my nine-year-old's considered an equal to me. She, the only thing that's different with her, she can't drive. And she can't hold a job yet because she's nine. But she gets to enter into the decision-making. And I get irritated when... And he doesn't do it often, but when my husband falls back into that old-timey thought that kids should not have a say-so, I'll go, eh, no, we're a democracy in this house. We're all going to discuss our options. I don't, I don't think that children should ever be totally silenced and shoved on the back burner. They have got some really good ideas, a lot of kids do, so people need to start listening. But anyways... But yeah, this, this boy was saying about how the mindset, it is generational. It is almost like a brainwashing. And it literally takes a deprogramming, damn near a deprogramming for them to come out of this. Thinking of, you know, whatever it is they're thinking, this stupid, like the border. You know, the border of Mexico, that all the worst criminals in the world are coming over. It's an invasion. It's not an invasion. There's no invasion. It's people seeking asylum. It's never been any different. <laughs> he, he, he just stirs up this shit like, oh, you know, they're coming. They're coming here to take everything away from you, all your jobs and blah, blah, blah. No. They're here to live a life, to escape horrors that they've been in. They're not here to steal everything from you, you know? Well, I mean, is why would they feel that way? Why do people feel that way? Why does, well, wait a minute. Is it because American history shows that our ancestors, the very ones that are bitching and moaning about the immigrants coming over here, those people, the ancestors, they, they stole everything from the Indians? Are you scared? <laughs> you know, they came over here and you killed the Indians and you took their land. Is that what this is about? That you're thinking back when, oh, geez, they're stealing all our stuff. The Mexicans are coming back to their homeland. You have to remember they were here first, too. Yeah. History shows that they were actually here. Right? Then they went, went further south, as it were, after wars. And, but, I mean, originally their peoples were actually around here. So it's like... <laughs> Yeah. Typical white privilege attitude. I'm, I'm saying white privilege again because I get so sick and tired of it. I'm a white lady. 
and I can't stand white privilege, the attitude. I hate it. It's disgusting. It's embarrassing. It makes me feel dirty when I see someone behave that way. When I behave in a manner that puts down another, you know, another culture or another race, color, whatever you want to discuss it, however you want to say it, I, I don't like to see that. When it's obviously an uppity white person putting down another ethnicity to get its to get their way it's revolting to watch and i just can't even imagine i don't even understand why we're still behaving this way today but we are it's still happening and i don't get it it's very confusing and it's very upsetting but anyway see the news doesn't change so yeah a rural i'm living a rural I'm a northerner living in the rural south, so that's interesting. Um, I'm a northern liberal living in the rural south. I don't share a lot of the values. And some people say, why don't you just leave? Just pick your crap up and go live in a more progressive state. I'd like to, I guess, um, possibly. But the cost of living is such that couldn't afford to go there, say. Couldn't afford to live in my home state. Of Minnesota, I couldn't. I'd be, you know, truly struggling, and I just want to hope people open their eyes down here. And I bought this land too, unknowing. I didn't know what the climate was here. I just was looking. I mean, I'm talking about the political climate and and what have you. I did not know. In the cultural climate either I didn't understand it per se and it really shouldn't have mattered to me um, you know I saw the beauty of the physical surroundings of this place and went oh the trees and blah 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 and it was like Minnesota except it was in the south okay and and what I'm saying that is the big tall pine trees and all that kind of stuff it's it's like a little tiny patch of Minnesota right here for me and it was affordable and, you know, it just seemed really good, but I should have checked out the schools, which that's one of the reasons why we're homeschooling, because I don't, I don't really like the school systems here. I don't really like public education in general right now, the way it's been run. I prefer more free thinking. You know, I really like a child to be able to freely think and question everything. And, you know, I don't believe in this rote education meaning you have to do certain things I believe we all have our you know our um, children need, need need room to breathe and every child is a definite um, individual which basically means that they um they all can't have the same type of education, I don't think. I think every child is different. I know mine is. She could not be in her age group. Uh, her age group, wherever, whatever age, grade she would have been, and she would have been bored. You know, for her, it isn't going to work out. So, homeschooling works because she gets to do what she needs to do and as much as she wants to do without having it be overwhelming. And if she gets sick, you know, it's not a big deal. She's just got a little tickle, 
you know, sore throat or whatever, a little illness. You know, this is when public school was in session and kids were going to the school. She would have never had to call in sick. She can wrap up in her blankets and lay on the couch and we can read her lessons, say. No day lost without, and but she gets to be comfortable. Heck, there were times when she was little, when she was on the mend from something, that she, you know, she was getting over the flu or whatever, and, um, or a cold. She'd be laying in bed and I'd be reading her lessons to her. And she'd be laying there listening to her, her lessons, her, her history lesson, her this or that. And we'd be laying in bed. You can't lay in bed in school. <laughs> you have to sit in a very uncomfortable desk. And you have to pay attention, sit still, and you're surrounded by a bunch of kids. And you might feel bad. And going to school feeling under the weather is terrible. And now, of course, if we see with this coronavirus outbreak what it would mean for people to go to school sick, we'd have a whole nation even worse than it is now sick. So, you know, she, she, she benefited by homeschooling for sure because first off, she's way ahead, and second off, she's in a safe zone. We've done the shelter place sort of kind of. I mean, I guess, I, I guess not. I guess, I, I guess that would be not because she would go to the park. She'd go play with her friends and stuff, so it wasn't going to the school building, but that's a huge part of a lot of kids' lives, going to the big school building, right? All your buds are there and everything. It's a social situation. And then you have to sit still for hours on end in amongst your social situation, being fed, you know, pre-designed, pre-designed, or pre-decided, pre you know, a curriculum that doesn't take into account anyone's individuality but she doesn't have that she's got her individuality included in her curriculum for school that way she's learning in the way that's best for her plus she also gets to get more things that she wants to do or less things than she can't handle so if she can't handle something we don't do it but she can handle it we do it that's how I do school with her I don't believe in Going outside the her capabilities um, to where it makes her uncomfortable. Sometimes you got to push the envelope a little bit, you know. But then sometimes the envelope is pushed too hard, and then the kid goes, "I don't want to do anything at all. Screw school. Hate school. Eh." See, and that doesn't that doesn't help them. But anyways, I don't know what I'm going on with. I didn't realize. Oh, all the the difference is out here. You know, like I said before, the whole idea of just coming in without without telling you drives me nuts, showing up to my house. Like the other day, <laughs> or was it the other week, everything's running together. The guy across the street with the big Trump flag, you know, he's nice enough. He just, that flag bugs me. He's a nice man, but I just, the flag and his personality don't mix. Does that make sense? He's a decent enough person. It's just what caused you to follow a man or support a man like Trump, who is such a liar, who, who, given your station, like my station and half the stations of, of our personal economics out here, what gave you the desire to support someone who doesn't care about you, who has no desire of helping you get anywhere? 
one has no desire of making sure your future is safe. Donald Trump does not care about the poor person. See, why would you fly his flag? He doesn't care about you. Anyways, that guy came over here and was riding lawn where I was feeding the dogs. And all of a sudden, out from behind me, this is before our fence is up, obviously, here he is in our yard riding that lawnmower all across there. I'm like, oh my God. He rode in on it like it was his little car. And I nearly had a car in there because I didn't realize, I thought he was just mowing the yard, right? Over at his place. And then all of a sudden he's in my yard in his lawnmower. And I was just like, ah, you know, I don't do well with unannounced visitation. People just coming on over. I was busy doing something. My husband was outside. So they talked for a bit and then he left and I just blew up. I said, I want a fence. I can't deal with this anymore. I can't deal with these people just flying in our yard in their loud pickups or on their lawnmowers or motorcycles or whatever. They just come on in here, fly in our yard and just no announcing they're coming. Majority of the people, I don't even know who they are and they just want to get up in your business. And I am sick of it. You know, this is my personal swatch. Now, yes, I think the Mexican border is stupid. That big wall, it's dumb. Do we need borders, I suppose? Yeah, we've made it more comfortable in regulating, letting people in and helping them out. We have people there to take care of them in a kindly manner, not in this shit manner, to shoot everyone and throw them in the detention center and, you know, arrest everyone. Not that. It should be a gentle bringing over of people, okay? There's got to be a better way to immigrate folks into this country. But I'm not... <laughs> this isn't the same thing, okay? This is my personal place here that I paid for and my little own sanctuary spot. And I don't have Border Patrol folks to take care of you know, we're not in the business of doing that. And um, there's tons of unclaimed territories out in this lovely country of ours. And plenty of abandoned houses that could be fixed up and homeless people put in and even immigrants put it. Do you see what I'm saying? There's plenty of room here. It's just that right here in this particular place. These are people that I don't, that I know aren't looking for asylum. Do you see what I'm saying? They're looking for other stuff. And I know this. I know this. Because, you know, if I saw a poor, a poor immigrant little person walking down the street with, you know, barefoot and looked like they were starving to death and had nothing and was carrying their clothes in a sack, you know, I'd help them. Damn straight I would. But we've done that. We've helped people. But the, I'm talking about people driving in my driveway, all the way up in my yard, and they're big, hopped-up, ginormous wheel pickups, you know, or coming in there in their shiny lawnmowers, that are, you know, that are $3,000 lawnmowers, just stuff like that. Just, it's like, oh, please, you know. Or just snooping through your things like that one woman was doing. She was so curious about my life. She had to snoop through all of her stuff. You know, none of her business. I'm not going to do that to her. Why does she come do that to me? Right? So, that's what I'm discussing. 
And we have a nine-year-old that deserves safety. She doesn't need to have strange, unusual characters coming in here and, you know, helping themselves to our place. As I ramble. But I didn't know that's the culture out here. You just show up when you want. No appointments. No letting you know you're coming. Nothing. Nothing like that. They just come on over. I just, I don't do that. And I wouldn't do that to someone else. Like, we used to be driving around. I remember we went, we were traveling through town. And uh, I can't remember where it was. My, my husband had a good friend that lived. He says, oh, hey, we're going to pass by so-and-so. Let's go see if we can go have lunch with them. Let's go call them up and we'll meet them for lunch. As we were just traveling through, like, no warning. Like, we're coming, we're coming to your house. Like, I mean, we call before we come, but it'd be like, hadn't seen this guy in a long time and all of a sudden we're there. You know, I, I don't, I felt always so uncomfortable to do that to somebody. My own daughter did that to me. She came to visit me unannounced and I don't mind her coming. I miss her so much, my eldest, but I wasn't, the house wasn't clean. Nothing was ready. And all of a sudden I get this phone call, mom, we're going to be there in 20 minutes. And I hadn't seen her in over a year and a half. And my place was a disaster. I was a disaster. Hadn't even taken a shower that day. And she was bringing the kids and this and that. And I'm like, oh, my God, you know, when did you know you were coming this way? Oh, we thought about it for the last three or four days. I said, well, you could have called me and I would have. The house is a mess. I have, you know, it's not payday and we didn't even get groceries. And oh, my God, you know, I wasn't ready. I would have been ready. And I'm like, OK, come on. I said, the peanut butter sandwich is in a dirty house. That's all we got. She's like, I don't care. But at least it was my daughter. You know, I knew who she was. But this is like, and she knows me. I'm not the best housekeeper. But <laughs> that was the thing I wanted. You know, why, why I don't like people, too, for just coming over is that I'd like to clean up a little bit. I'm sorry I let my hair down. But you don't always have to see me like that. I do like to put my best face forward if I can. You know, I think it's kind and, and, uh, the ladylike thing to do and the gentlemanly-like thing to do is to do the best you can for people to make them the most comfortable. And ushering someone into your dirty house isn't necessarily making them comfortable. It certainly doesn't make me comfortable. So that's why I don't like people showing up unannounced. It just catches you off guard and you're not ready. So, And then the northern people don't do that pretty much. We never did. I never was raised that way as a child. So those are the differences in the cultures. I wasn't ready for it. I didn't know it, but I'm learning to get around that. Anyhow, this rambling podcast has have got to come to an end because I'm coming up on the hour and um, I've got a load of chores to do. So I'm um, going to end it right now. This is a northerner stuck in the south um, and I'm Ruth Whitstein and this is May 4th. Uh-oh, May 5th, excuse me, Cinco de Mayo. Wash your hands, wear your mask, stay home, be safe. Only go out when you have to, and if you have to work, be careful. Wash your hands. Put your mask on. You know, be good, and uh, stay healthy. Peace out.